Welcome to the She Finds Joy podcast, where I teach you how to step into the arena of bigness, all the while creating more joy along the way. That's right. We are capable of reclaiming our power, our purpose, our boldness and bravery, and putting our bigness into the world. I'm Kim Strobel, your truth-telling, real-talk happiness coach, who believes in giving you the tools to create a life you really love. After all, when we're playing in our arenas of bigness, life gets better as we get bolder. So buckle up for the no BS, zero fluff advice that gives you the small steps for big joy. Okay, I have a surprise for all of you on the She Finds Joy podcast today. It's kind of a monumental day. I have, for the first time on the She Finds Joy podcast, I am interviewing a man. Yes, his name is Steve Bowler, a.k.a. Stand Tall Steve, and he is an educational thought leader, former superintendent of schools, principal, author, and a school culture and motivation expert. He is known for his quick wit, creative thought, and humorous personality. Now, I just have to tell all of you who are listening, you're like, but wait, I'm not a teacher. I'm not an educator. Is this episode going to be for me? Well, I'm going to tell you it absolutely is for you because Steve is all about motivation, leadership, and really how we can use our attributes and our values to live a life that feels really good to who we are on the inside out. And so he's also the author of a leadership book called Stand Tall Leadership. And I love that he openly shares his knowledge, his experiences and his creativity with others. So Steve, welcome to the show. You are the first ever man to join us. Hey, 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 this is exciting. Thank you so much. Here I am. I'm glad to be here. I am so happy to be here. This is exciting for me. This Very says a lot about you, Steve, because what happened was you reached out to me mm-hmm. to interview me for, was it a virtual summit you were doing or was it your podcast? It was your podcast. podcast. Yeah, yeah. podcast. Mm-hmm. Stand Tall Leadership Show. Yeah, yeah, the Stand Tall Leadership Podcast. Mm-hmm. And then we had just this natural flow. And we both know that while we're very passionate about education and students and impacting and influencing culture within schools, there was like way more to us than even that. And that's yeah, like oh, we totally. had this rapport, right? Yeah, it was crazy. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's like certain people that you just come in contact with. And the flow just happens. And that's exactly what it was when you and I were connecting. The flow just happened. So how do you go from being a school teacher to being a superintendent to running the Stand Tall Leadership Academy, basically? Or, you know, tell me where this comes from. Give us the backstory to you. Sure, sure. Yeah. So um, my career, so to speak, uh, started in... um, in Lawrenceville, New Jersey, I started off as an art teacher. Uh, I went to Kutztown University for art education. I actually knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an art teacher. Um, so I got, I was very fortunate that I got a job right out of school at Lawrenceville Elementary School. So I, I got a job there. Now, for those who don't know what I look like, I am a six foot seven bald black guy. I'm a tall guy. I look like a basketball player. I just do. I look like I walk right off of the court. Six, seven, black guy, bald head. That's what I am. So being that I was in this elementary school in Lawrenceville. I love what I did. There's nobody looked like me where I was and it was perfectly okay. I embraced it and I just loved it. 
So as an elementary art teacher, I thought that it was the end all job. I had an evaluation one day for my principal and he said to me, he says, make sure you go back to school, you know, get your master's in something. And I had no idea. I was, you know, 24, 25. I was like, uh, okay. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. He says, you could be a principal. You could, I said, really? I could be a principal? He says, yeah, why not? Because you know, I never heard of an art teacher becoming a principal. Art teacher, yeah. stay in it. you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's a dream job. You throw a party every 40 minutes, you know? So, yeah. um, so I went back to school. I started looking at administrators. I started studying them. And I realized I don't like administrators. I, I, I found them, they, they, many of them were unimaginative. They didn't take risks. They weren't fun. They, it was very formal. And I didn't like that. So I said, you know what? I'm going to be the administrator who does it differently. Mm. And so that's the reason why I got into administration. That, that was my road into it. I went back, got my master's. I got a, became an assistant principal at a middle school. Then I got my first principalship at a pre-K to five building. And then I moved on to an upper elementary building uh, where I was a district where I was there for eight years. Eventually assistant superintendent and superintendent. And I just, and I did things differently. Um, you know, I, I did things completely differently. That's how I, I rolled. Today's episode is brought to you by me and my 90 day big, bold and brave coaching program, otherwise known as the BBB. This is the 90 day guided journey that unleashes your happiness and helps you fully step in to the arena of bigness. If you're feeling stuck in an action, you're tired of reliving the same year over and over again without getting the results, then it could be time to take a courageous leap. The BBB is a simple framework where I share the nine major shifts I took to step into my bigness one daring day at a time. In the program, I teach you how to create a compelling and clear vision for all areas of your life, how to get crystal clear on what you want, how to understand the law of attraction and become a super manifester and how to know and own your value. If you're looking for the hidden strategies that all successful people know, but for some reason you don't, and you're ready to bust through the plateau in your life, Big, Bold, and Brave, the 90-Day Coaching Program is for you. You can fill out an application at kimstrubble.com forward slash apply and be the first to know when we launch the next cohort. Now, okay, so I want to know because I talk a lot about how we have, um, we all have these paths that we're supposed to follow in life. You know, we mm -hmm. go, this is how you get from A to Z. You go from A to B and B to C and C to D mm -hmm. and you follow this path and you do all the things right. Um, and then that, that is what leads you to success. And so what I hear you saying is like, you have more of a zigzaggy personality. You have more of a, like, I'm actually going to do everything different than what I've been told to do. Is that right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're right. It's very zigzaggy, but my thing is this, and this is the way I look at a lot of things in, in life and, and such. I, I look at different experiences that are there. I try to get a good understanding of what the history of whatever that experience might be or what it's really like. And then I determine what parts of it I think are good and what parts of it I don't like. Well, you know what? I'm going to do the things that I think it's right that I like. Even in that, that situation, um, my first assistant principal position, first assistant, I was a vice principal at a middle school. The principal, she was a very 
she was a younger principal, but she was very old school in the way that she led the building. Yes. I'm going to yell at this kid. Like. I'm going to get explain on this like. Well, it, it's, it, you know, I'm going to yell at this kid. I'm going to get on this kid. Everybody get in line. Everybody do things right. I'm in charge. That kind of attitude. And I was just looking at it like, you know what? And some of the, I, I don't like that. I'm going to be a different kind of administrator. So I looked at, even though she was a good mentor, you mentored me in the things I don't want to do. And so therefore, I kind of go in a different direction with that. And that, that's how I, I see a lot of things in life. So with, tell us how you lead differently, what that looks like. Hmm. I want you to explain that first, and then I'm going to have some back-end questions for you. So like, okay, what does that look hmm. like to lead differently? Well, in, in leading differently, what, what, what I, one of the things that's most important to me is my level of integrity and what it is I respect and value. Integrity and respect and value is the cornerstones of absolutely everything that I do. Once mm -hmm. you've identified what it is that you respect and value, you can, in what your integrity level is and what that level is, I go through making my decisions based off of that. One of the quotes that I heard from, I think it was Roy Disney that came up with it. When your vision is clear, decisions are easy. When your vision is clear, decisions are easy. So once you have your vision, once you have what you respect and value, once you have what it is that you think is the core important to you, the decisions that you make are easy. Does it fit within the, your, your vision and what you respect and value or doesn't it? If it doesn't, then I'm not going to do it or I'm going to find another way to make that happen. How can I make certain decisions that are not only strategical good decisions, but connect me to people? And that's another thing. I love people. How do I connect to people? How do I make it better that we have a quality relationship from it? Sometimes what it is that I do might not be exactly what you want and what you think is might be best, but I don't want to ruin our relationship. You know, you don't have to ruin a relationship over it. We can make these positive things happen. Okay. So let's, let's break that down a little bit further. So give me some, okay. give me an idea of something that you respect and value and how that plays out in your everyday decision-making. All right. One of the things I respect and value wholeheartedly is I respect and value humor. This is something that's important in my life. I mean, I know a lot of times when you think of leadership, you think I respect, you know, strategy. I respect growth. I, I respect and value humor. <laughs> I love to laugh. I've tried all the emotions. Humor is one that I like, you know, so when I'm making decisions and I'm making certain things happen, I'm going to find a way to see if I can make someone smile within that. I'm going to see, find a way to see if someone can be, if I can find humor in it, appropriate humor, appropriate. And I, I that's, that's very important to me. So it manifests itself in my decisions, in my actions. So I love that rather than try, okay, so let's back up. When I was getting my administrative, okay. <laughs> I was getting my administrative degree because I had mm -hmm. leadership skills. Like I, I knew I, I loved leadership. Like as the classroom teacher, mm -hmm. I was always studying progressive topics. And then a lot of times my principal was like, Hey, Kim, will you present on this? Will you present on that? And like, I loved sharing my yeah. whatever newfound knowledge. And I, I mm -hmm. did so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go become a principal, but, or get my administrator's license. But then I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want, like, I don't, I would never want to be a principal because like, I have it in my mind <laughs> mm -hmm. that like, you have to be super straight laced. 
Um, Mm -hmm. you have to, um, like in my mind, there's this idea of the personality that you have to have in order to be a principal. And I was never even like, I was always that teacher who was pushing the limits. I was always that teacher who, like you said, I was giggling and laughing and doing wild outlandish things in the classroom. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of had this idea like, oh, I could never be a principal because I would have to change who I am. And so what you're saying is you saw that, but then you decided to just take on that leadership, but also make sure that it aligns to who you are rather than trying to fit yourself in this box of how you're supposed to behave, act, you know, oh, yes. you're, you're, you're spot on. That, that's exactly what I did. I, Cause I was where you were when I was a teacher, I looked at administrators before I decided to go into it. I was like, all right, Hey, let me check these administrators out. Ooh, oh, yeah. oh, my. I was, I was like, Oh, yeah, it's like you have to be serious. To you have to be like a serious person. Yeah. You have to be very grounded. You have to be mm-hmm. totally emotional, actually almost emotionless, right? Yep. And I'm like, Shit, yep, yep. I yep. am not any of those yeah. things. And exactly. this is so interesting. And that's what made me want to do it. And that's what made me want to do it a thousand times. I was like, yes, if I can get into that position <laughs> and I can be Steve in that position, holy crap, what I could do. That's my thought. I was just like, and now mind you, please don't get it wrong. When I got in that position, I hit a brick wall. It was, you know. Yeah, I want to know about that. Like, did you get pushback? Did people like, were people upset with you? Who are you telling? Yes. If people were like this, you know, you're not being very principal-like. You know, I got that. You're not being very principal-like. I'm not, no. And I said, well, good thing. I'm not a principal yet. Cause I wasn't at the time. Somebody said I was a vice principal. I said, well, good thing. I'm not a principal yet. And they're like, well, you'll never get there. I said, okay, thanks for letting me know that. And I'm just, I've always, it, it's, yeah, I've gotten pushback. I've had, a, um, an administrator, I had my superintendent one time come and say to me, it just like, I don't think that, you know, your staff is going to respect you with you continue to behave this way. Yes. I said, behave what way? She says, you're walking around the school wearing superhero costumes. <laughs> I love it. She says, she says, you're you're dancing all the time. She says, there's a moment that you need to be serious. I says, I'm serious when I have to be. I, I can. You know, I says, but I said, look, I'm the friendliest and the meanest person in this building. It's completely up to you which one you get. Uh, I love and, that. You know, and it's nothing wrong with switching it up. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. And I, there's times like, like when I would talk to my staff in my one school, I was there for eight years as the building principal. I came up with two different personas with my staff. I said, there's Mr. Bowler and then there's Steve. Mm. And they got it. Mr. Yeah. Bowler says, get this done. It needs to be done now. Here are your timelines. Here's our outcomes. Make it happen. Steve says, I hope y'all get together afterwards and go for a drink because I'm coming with y'all, you know? So, and they understood what that meant. And it's like, why not frame your leadership around what it is? Don't forget what the framework of leadership is. Yes, I got that. But you can be you in that. Every oh, time. I love that. See that I took a totally different road. So, so I, 
um, I was a teacher, then I was a literacy coordinator and all I wanted to do was become a curriculum director. I wanted to bypass the whole principal assistant principal because mm -hmm. one, I knew I wasn't like a serious type and I would display emotion. And I felt like I didn't have any of the attributes that I needed to actually be that per particular principal. You know, I mm -hmm. kept telling mm -hmm. myself like my friend, Laura, who's the principal who I really adore, but like she, her skill set is, you know, she's very serious and she's not very emotional and she's very grounded and she really thinks through things before she acts on them. And I just kept telling myself, like, why can't I just be like Laura Noble? Like, why can't I just be her? And then I could have that kind of job, but I just couldn't do it, Steve. And so mm -hmm. then on top of it, I had two um, white men who were at the central office. And let me just tell you, if anybody triggered them, it was Kim Strobel. Mm. You know, like, mm -hmm. well, she can never be a principal. We saw her on the golf course and she was wearing some short shorts. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would have hired you. Oh, yeah. yeah. You would have hired me. Oh, my, my gosh. Legs. She's Wouldn't exactly what I need. Yeah. That's exactly what I mean. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I actually had to go outside of my hometown and yeah. I landed a curriculum job because I let two people two, for lack of a better word, good old white boys mm. determine that I wasn't the good fit. And that if I ever wanted a job like that, I needed to completely change my personality and never share anything about my personal life. Like I'm an overshare, you know, mm -hmm. Kim, you can't do any of that stuff. And so unlike you, I first tried to make myself fit the system. Yeah. And then when I couldn't make myself fit the system, I went somewhere else where they, I was hired by a female who wasn't so triggered by me. Um, but even then, like I still wasn't able to bring my whole flair to what I do. And I never mm. felt the freedom to do that until I launched my own business. So yeah. I want to know how, what is it in you that had the courage to just be who you were out of the gate? Like, that's crazy to me. Like, I feel nervous for you just thinking about it. Well, you know, I, one of the things throughout my life, I've always been very creative. I'm a creative person. I have a degree in art. People don't realize I'm a, I'm a, I'm a classically trained artist. I can paint or draw absolutely anything. I'm also a musician. I played trumpet for many years. So I'm in the arts. You and are for sure the, not admin material. Just exactly. No, I don't fit it anyway. Give me a tree. I'll hug it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, <laughs> but... Actually, that's my brother. He's more of that. I'm, 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 I'm a little different than that. Anyway, because he has a degree in theater. He's a, the, you know. Well, that's even worse. Yeah, I know. And here's the here's the kicker. My dad has a degree in mathematics and physics, and my mother was a registered nurse. Completely what? opposite. And then she, she, you got, they created these two kind of right-brained kids. Oh, we were out there. Yeah. Oh, totally. 100%. So anyway, so as far as my, my entire life has always revolved around creativity. I, I, I love being creative. I love seeing things differently. But yet, I think from my father's perspective, specifically my father, my father was also in the military. All right. Mm. So as far as having values, straight lace, make sure things are done, get your job, you know, those kind of things. I think between those two things, it allowed me to have a certain level of confidence because I knew how to operate within the straight lace, get things done, don't move. I was even in the sea cadets for a while where my dad enrolled us in the sea, my brother and I in sea cadets. My brother didn't do it. What well is with. that? What are sea cadets? Sea cadets, it's a version of the Navy, but for younger kids. For the, <laughs> it's, it's, it really, it is. There's a sea cadets, there's a civil air patrol. There's different ones that are out there. I was in the sea cadets. Okay. Um, 
And I even my a couple of my summers, I went to the Coast Guard camp and I was out on out on boats and shot guns. I mean, I was military. Right. So I think those two balances allowed me to, you know, understand the two different worlds. Now, the, to your question, what gave me the courage to go and do that? I've always been in leadership positions. I was in student council my entire career. I was a class president of my, you know, in, in, in my college. You know, and I felt like, you know, I want to do some leadership things. I've chosen education as my wheelhouse. I've found, you know, I, I got to give it a go. You know, I've always I got to give it a go. And I've always thought in my head throughout my life, why not me? Why not? I mean, on top of all this, here's another little piece with me that nobody knows. I'm dyslexic. I have dyslexia, right? Wow. I, I did not find out I had dyslexia until I was in college. Oh my gosh. So and, you weren't like a straight A student then? Oh gosh, no. I rocked a solid D, C, D, D, C, D. I wasn't F, but you know, every now and then I rocked out some Bs, but no. And like, here's my brother and sister, their grades were horrible on their own. So I look like a saint in my house. So that's why, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but growing up, I never understood why I couldn't academically do the things everyone else. But I'm like, I used to say to myself, why not me? why not me? And I was just like, no, I wouldn't get down on myself. I'm like, I could do this. And I would push myself. So therefore, when I got to school and I, I got a job and I started looking at leadership, I went right back to what I knew. Why not me? Why not? Why not? And so that's, that's, that's so where that. Is. Yeah. That's the pivotal thing that you said back to yourself. And so, mm -hmm. okay, there's a couple of things that I want to break down here. Cause I love this topic. And okay. First of all, I, I want to really make a clear message to anybody listening to this, because what we do is we underestimate our potential all of the time because mm -hmm. we base it on the so-called academic intelligence and the grades that we had in school. And then we mm -hmm. let that determine how mm -hmm. far we can go in life. And so one of the things that I'm really passionate about is understanding that in school, in school, they measure one or two types of intelligence. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. yep. You know, you have the left brain intelligence. So for those of you who don't know, your brain has two hemispheres and the left hemisphere is is the part that's like mathematical. It's logical. It understands computation and algorithms. Mm -hmm. It can read, write, comprehend and understand information like it's very black and white. And then the right side of the brain is like creativity, innovation, um, intuitiveness, empathy, compassion, big picture thinking, the arts, music. That's all the right brain stuff. And so, you know, so in in K through 12 school, when I ask educators, what percentage of the day do kids get exposed to left brain versus right brain? It's like 90, 10, right? Like, hey, I get my 5% yep. in Mr. Bowler's art class. And other than that, it's all left brain stuff. Mm hmm. And so what happens is if you're a right brainer like you are, Steve, or like my husband is, he's like an 80 percent right brainer, 20 percent left, mm -hmm. is most of the time those kids go through school and they feel like they don't measure up to other students because they're not smart according to what school deems as smart, which is like IQ and logical reasoning and intelligence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I believe is that we have to start understanding for the people that are listening to that. First of all, what we know is IQ is responsible for about four to 10% of a person's career success. Did you know that Steve? No, that I did not know. 
No. Four to 10 percent. But yeah, all we do mm. is focus on making sure that mm -hmm. kids can read, write and, and do science. And Lord knows we don't have time for the arts or creativity mm. or, you know, shoot. I remember a few years ago when we said we don't even have money for real art teachers. So we're going to put the program assistant in there and she's going to yeah. teach art all day. Yep. Yep. Crazy. And so what happens is we don't understand that there's so many different ways to be smart. So what I love about this story is you're like a CD student who goes on to freaking become a superintendent. OK, who mm. goes on to start your own business because you had this inner belief that I will tell you, most people I feel like would not have had that confidence. But somehow you were either taught that or that was ingrained in you or you mm. just had it to know, like, why not me? Why couldn't I do this? Um, the other thing I want to tell you is Dan Pink has this amazing book called A Whole New Mind and the subtitle, Steve is why right brainers will rule the future. Did you know hey, that? No, that I didn't know. I'm getting that one. Well, Hello. this is this is why you're so good at what you do because actually your creativity and your relationship skills, your empathy skills, your compassion skills, all of those are right brain things and you mm -hmm. bring that to leadership which does make you an anomaly. Yeah, you know, and I appreciate that. And I, I you know, part of this is you know, you were saying, you know, I had to wear with all the, the, the why not me before. When I found out that I was dyslexic, I found out my freshman year, uh, second semester freshman year, I had a professor and we had to do and it was an art theories class of some sort. No, it was my sophomore year. It's my sophomore year. We had to do an impromptu writing. So I did this impromptu writing, writing class. The next class, she pulls me in, Dr. Burkett. She's like, Steve, are you dyslexic? And I was like, what'd you say about my mama? You know, cause I didn't know what she was talking about. What, you know? And I, she explained what it was. I was like, I might be. She said, well, you need to go to the student center, you know, on campus, get evaluated so we can help you. And I'm like, all right, I didn't go. I, I wasn't going. And so she got, you know, next couple of classes, did you go? No. And next class, yeah, I went. She looked at me, no, you didn't. <laughs> then after the, like the fourth or fifth class, she's after class, she says, Steve, I need you to come with me. I says, okay. She walked me to the center. She took me there to get evaluated. And that's when we found out I had dyslexia. And most of the things that they taught me to help me with dyslexia, I was already doing. Here's so are the thing. you saying that you no. didn't even want to know the results because you didn't even care about the results? I could care less what she was talking about. I just knew I couldn't spell. What? I, 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 you know, I, I mean, truthfully, you I mean, think college guy, you know, did what? You want to go where? Do what? Nah, uh, what? Nah, I ain't doing that. So all I cared about was I need to pass the class. I love the class. Art theory. Are you kidding me? That's right up my wheelhouse. I just knew I couldn't spell that well. I, I was a horrible speller. But anyway, here's the thing. After I went through all this and I learned all this, I started to think back to my life. I'm so glad I didn't know I was dyslexic. Mm. If I knew I was dyslexic, I would have used that as a crutch. Oh. I would have said, well, I'm dyslexic. Well, I didn't know I was dyslexic. Oh, I couldn't have done that. I was dyslexic. I would have gotten an IEP of 504, all kind of accommodations, right? Yeah. But since, and nobody figured it out through school. And thank God they didn't. So but I'm Steve, glad like when you were getting those grades, did you feel like you weren't smart? In some cases, yes. I mean, I, I remember the emotions of not feeling smart. But okay. then I would look at the people who were getting the good grades 
And I'm like, they don't understand anything. I mean, just like, yeah, they're getting the grades, but you know, we have a conversation and, you know, we talk about, you know, we're playing kickball on, on, in the backfield or whatever like that. And I call you know, Hey, here's a strategy we can use. And they're looking at me like, what, wow. what are you talking about? Yeah. And I'm just like, these people are not that smart. And I, you know, I couldn't put it all together. I, you know, you, you're a kid, you know, you're yeah. growing up, but I knew there was something different about me. I knew that there's like, I, I can't be, I can't be that dumb. I just know that I'm not. And I think it also helped that my brother and sister were bringing in B's and F's. You know, yeah, yeah. So you felt kind of good you know, about just, them. Yeah. You know, yeah. is, is this so, funny, you know, gosh, when you say that, okay, so here's a couple of perfect things. storm kind of a thing. Yeah. There's a couple of things I'm thinking because mm. when you're talking about um so when, when we were, go, I, I just got to go back. I don't know if this is relating or not. I'm just going to tell you where my brain goes. It kind of go jumps all over the place. Kind of right, like for that. For some strange reason, I can follow you. Go ahead. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> so w- whenever you were talking about how you kind of just decided to bring your own flavor to leadership. And then mm-hmm. I said, Oh, not me. I tried to conform. And then when I couldn't, I kind of tried to take this other route and, you know, get over here. And so, you know how sometimes like, you're right. We, we kind of look for reasons why we are the way we are, because it's sometimes mm-hmm. kind of hard to, oh, like I'm sitting there going, well, why didn't I have the courage to do what Steve did? And then you want to know what my next thought was? Cause I just call an ace and ace, Steve. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, well that's because I'm a woman because it's way mm-hmm. harder for women than it is for men. And then I'm looking here on my screen at Steve, who is a black man. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Steve's not a man, but he's a black man. <laughs> yeah, be honest. It's the truth. Right? So, yeah. like you had, so you had it way harder than a white woman would have it. So I can't use that as, as an excuse, you know, but I'm sitting there kind of mm-hmm. like thinking, how did he, man, this is like something in you that is remarkable, but you also knew that your what made you different is also your special secret sauce because you know, I, I, relationships. I would, yeah. yeah. I, I, I would agree. My, I, I knew, I, I knew that I was different and, and here's the thing. Okay. Let's, let's, let's go with the, the, the black man piece of this. Okay. Yeah. Where I grew up was a mostly black town. Okay. Okay. Um, it was a small town in lower South Jersey. Um, and there was a, a, a large number of African-Americans living in this small town. So being a six foot seven black guy, what is your job to do? Oh, yeah. I mean, Play honestly, basketball. I can't wait for people to see the picture of you because 100 <laughs> percent you look like a basketball player. I do. I, I look like. So when you're when you're a tall kid growing up, your job, play basketball. That's it. Now, you want to talk about conforming? I did. I conformed like a champ. Mm-hmm. I went. Yes. I got to play basketball. I got to get better at it. I played basketball. I was all in. It was, you know, so as far as, you know, conforming to what other people believe and whatever people think, I did that. I got quite good. And I think it's, I'm not naturally talented in basketball. I'm not. But I worked hard at it. Right. And, you know, I made, you know, all, all, you know, all state second team, you know, stuff like that, whatever like that. I was probably the only person all state second team who didn't get a scholarship. I did not get a scholarship to school for basketball. And to be honest with you, I never loved basketball. Mm. I did it because that's what people said I should do. Right. Yes. Yes. And so therefore moving on, when I got to college, I didn't play. I'm like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. This isn't who I am. This is what I want. 
And, you know, and then moving on, I, that's where I think in college, when I decided not to play basketball and I decided I'm not going to do what everybody else thinks I should do. That's when that strength I feel, so to speak, really came about as to going forward, no matter what my first school that I spoke, I, I, I got a job at right out of college, very fortunate, very happy to do it was in Lawrenceville, New Jersey. Anybody knows anything about Lawrenceville? Lawrenceville is right next to Princeton University. Oh, <laughs> it's the town of Princeton. Nobody in that town looked like me. All right. Nobody. Nobody. So on top of that, here I am. I'm in this elementary school. The school itself is across the street from Lawrenceville Prep, which is one of the most prestigious private schools in the country. This is where I'm working. And so that mindset of, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. And there were people, I very clearly straight up racism took place, you know, where I was working and the things that I did. Absolutely. I bet it you did. Know? Yeah. Like, like, like a beast it did, but you know, this is what I'm doing. And I, you know, I just maneuvered, I did what I could. And I kept telling myself, why not me? Why, why not me? Not me. Why I not love me? that. So, so what is it that you, so this stand tall philosophy, tell us a little bit more about that. How do you help mm -hmm. others create that confidence in themselves and not have to adhere to like these old labels that we've carried around with us for years or how we're supposed to act, think, talk, you know, walk, yeah. dress, all of that. Like, what is the stand, stand tall philosophy? Yeah. So the stand tall philosophy, it, it, you know, obviously if you see me, I'm a tall guy, you can't miss it. So I started to think about what it was necessary, what things that connect with the world of tall people connect to leadership into your life. When I was in eighth grade, eighth grade was the year that everything went nuts for me. Beginning of eighth grade, I was five foot eight. At the end of eighth grade, I was six foot three. <laughs> five, I know five. Just imagine this. And this is not one school year. This, I mean, not one calendar year, one school year. For like school started in September. I was five, eight by June. By the end of school, I was six foot three. It was a it was brutal, brutal. So one of the things that happened during this year is I started to slouch. I did not stand up straight. Oh. I slouched over a lot because I was standing out from everybody else around me. And if anybody ever dealt with a middle school, middle schooler, conformity is everything. Be like everyone else. And here I am. I'm growing super fast. My clothes were getting super small and tight. I mean, it was. And then on top of it, my voice was jacked up, you know, <laughs> the whole night. So one day when I was walking home from school, I had a friend of mine, her name was Danielle. We're walking home from school. We turned onto her street. I lived on 9th street. She lived on 7th street. So we were on 7th street where she was. She said, Steve, stay where you are. I said, okay. She walked around behind me. I'm like, what are you doing? She said, just stay there. I said, okay. She took one hand, she put it on my shoulder. She took her other hand, balled it up into a fist and punched me in the middle of my back. And I was like, girl, what is wrong with you? What are you doing? But of course, when she punched me in the middle of my back, what did I do? I arched my back. And I stood up straight. She said to me, Steve, you're a tall guy. Stop trying, stop slouching down and stand tall. When she said that to me, everything switched. Oh. Everything switched in my head. Everything. I started at that moment. I, I was just like, oh my goodness, I get it now. This is who I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be a tall guy. Now, I when I, I was the kid in school that loved school, I loved school. 
everything about it. I was in the, I was in the band. I was in the art club. I was in the chess club. I was in the debate club and I wasn't just in it. I was in student council. I was like a, the president or vice president in it. I love that. And I realized when I was walking home from seventh, seventh street, to ninth street, I was like, I'm a leader. I don't blend in. Leaders are not supposed to blend in. Oh, I love that. Leaders are not supposed to blend Leaders, in. They're not. Leaders are supposed to stand out. Leaders are supposed to stand tall. And mm. that's what that's the beginnings of the stand tall philosophy. It and doesn't so, matter if you're four foot two yeah. or if you're seven foot eight, you can stand tall in your leadership. So give me some other examples unrelated to height where you think you ask people to embrace that uniqueness that is them. And by the way, thanks for keep keeping on talking because I had to mute myself. You heard my dogs go crazy in the background. <laughs> so I was glad you just kept rolling with it, you know, but yeah, it's it. like, give us other examples of what you teach people to do. Cause you know, I'm not tall, but like, you know, mm-hmm. how do you relay that to other pieces of life? All right. So within the stand tall philosophy and everything like that, I, I, I do connect it to tallness sometimes because people can connect that kind of piece to it. And I say, you know, when you're first of all, tall person, we don't blend in. We don't you, you pick us out right away. Right. So I tell other people when I do, do trainings with them, it's not your job to blend in with everyone else. That's that courage I give them. Your job is to stand out. How do you stand out? Do you stand out by doing conformity to everybody else? How do you stand out? How do you make yourself more than everything than everyone else? That's that confidence, that piece. You got to develop that confidence. And we do strategies and things to develop your confidence so that you can stand out. You got to be a little vulnerable. Tall people everywhere. We're vulnerable. No matter, we can't, as much as you try to blend in, you can't. The other piece is this tall people, we see the world at a different level. We have a vision. If you ever been in a have you ever been in a crowd with a tall friend? What do you do? You tell your tall friend to get in the front, you grab their hand and say, go, because you can see where to go. Yes. So therefore, I teach people, you have to have a vision. You can't just go through life just blindly, just hoping things work out. you got to have a vision. As I said earlier in the beginning of this, when the vision is clear, decisions are easy. Right? Mm-hmm. Tall people, we have a vision. We can see over the, cl- cr- uh, the crowd. We make good decisions because we know where it is that we're going to go. That's what I try to tell people to do. And then the last piece of it is, is tall people. We don't, we don't fit. <laughs> we, we, we don't fit in car. I don't fit in cars. I don't fit. Don't get me started on, on airplanes, uh, doorways, ceiling fans. These are all major issues in the world. Of tall people. So we always have to adjust, have to change. So what I do is I tell people, you always got to adjust. You have to change. Things don't go your way. Things are not designed for you. This world is not designed for me. It isn't. I'm too tall. I'm living in a world too small for me. But you make adjustments, you have to change. So that's a lot of what it is that I I teach to people. And I use those references to start with, but basically it comes down to those basic things. Don't, don't, don't think you have to blend in. Don't think you have to have a vision for your direction of where you're going and you have to adjust. You have to have a vision for a direction that you're Mm -hmm. going for the direction you are going. I love that. Mm -hmm. So I have a question. Mm-hmm. As we are nearing the end of this, mm-hmm. what is what is one piece of advice you have for our listeners? I mean, you've given several, but just to kind of summarize this, what what do you think that would help all of us with all of these different little philosophies that you've been talking about? Well, I think the one thing is is, is reflection. Um, 
if you notice the, the the running theme through a lot of this that I've talked about is I did a lot of reflecting on me. And, yes. and, and, and mind you, some people get into reflective play spot and they spiral, you know, don't spiral, get to the, you know, reflect on what it is that you really want. W- what works best for who you are? Mm, what works. things do you do? You know, that, that, that work and what things that don't work and you fix it. The one thing that I love to do is I look at things that I don't like and I don't do it. <laughs> I, I, you know, and it's, it's like when I go and I do professional development, or I do training for people. You've been in trainings and things in the, you know, where they, they're just horrible. Yes. It's like, oh my gosh, this training. I don't do them. Plain and simple. All this stuff I don't like, I don't do. And because I reflect on it, reflect on the experiences you've had in life, reflect mm-hmm. on everything. And then say, okay, this is what I value. This is what I respect and value in my life. This is how I reflect. This is, you know, I'm reflecting on some things. All right, now move forward and go. I love go. that. So how do, so it's basically, how do we honor our strengths and the things yeah. that we value and create a vision for our life that matches those, but also know that we always have to remain growth oriented. So that, always, I love that's that reflective that. piece. You always have to be growth oriented. That reflective piece is everything. You know, <laughs> one of the things that I, I, I do, I journal. You know, I mean, you know, to check that out. A guy who's just, I know, I think that's why I fell in love with you on our interview. I was like, oh my goodness, a guy who journals. I mean, I do for basketball players. So I was telling my husband, (laughs) I have to, I have to tell you, Steve, I was like, oh, so I just, um, I have an interview today, you know, with Steve, remember the six foot seven guy that looks like a basketball player. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I do have a thing for people who look like athletes. I'm just going to tell you. Okay, there you go. I get it. I totally get it. I get it. But yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, part of the purpose of me journaling, you know, and I, again, I care less if I spell it right or not. Yeah. yeah. Then you got the journal. That, yeah. But it's that reflective piece. It's that piece of just reflecting on what's happening with me and where I'm going. I mean, you know, depression is all about what happened in the past. Anxiety is about what's happening in the future. I want to stay in the middle of that and just reflect on where I'm going so that the future is good. And, that, you know, yeah, that's one of the top happiness habits, too. Did you know that journaling? Oh, really? OK. Yep. It's like one of the top five or six happiness habits that they talk mm. about. Well, there you go. Well, I'm, I'm on it. That, that, you that, are that, on it. OK, I try so- to be. I have a question for you. Where can people like what do you work just with education or you work with other groups, too? Right. I work with all groups. I really do. I mean, my wheelhouse has been education, but leadership is leadership, period. You know, uh, climate and culture is climate and culture, period. So, yeah, I work in all different groups. Yeah, that's kind of like I'm like, hey, I'm not just a happiness coach in education. Like, I don't care what Mm -hmm. business you're in. You need a happiness coach or you need a leadership coach. Right. Right. So where can people find you? Well, uh, if you look up Stan Tall Steve just about anywhere, you'll see me uh, StanTallSteve.com. Um, if you're looking at my ju- mainly my leadership stuff, it's StanTall-Leadership.com. Um, so uh, Twitter, Stan Tall Steve. Uh, Facebook, Stan Tall Steve. LinkedIn, yeah. Steve Bowler, well, Stephen Bowler for the, for, for LinkedIn. They and I'll drop LinkedIn. all of those social links. Um, I think you sent them to me. I'll make sure and put them sure. in the show notes for anybody awesome. who's looking. Okay. So I end a lot of my interviews by asking this one question. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's How go. are you stand tall, Steve, reaching for more joy in your life right now? 
how am I reaching for more joy in my life right now? Well, one of the things I've done just recently, um, I got a new journal. I'm really excited about this thing. It's, it's an organizer. It's, or it's a, like a planner? It's like it's like a planner journal kind of a thing. It's it's a new one. So this it's a self, it's called self journal. Mm-hmm. It's a self journal. Anyway, in there, what you do is you make these goals for every 13 weeks. It's a 13 week plan. So I have these new goals that I have created. And I didn't just make these goals to be focused around better job and outcomes for my money. You know, one of the things that I value greatly is humor and I value family. So one of the things that I'm reaching to give me joy is I put in here as one of my goals to to connect with family every day. Mm. And and when I mean connect with family, it's not like, hey, what's going on? Like, I want to have a half decent, if not completely decent conversation with someone in my family every day, because I found that that makes me smile. That makes me happy. And like I said, I've tried all the emotions. I like happy. So that's what I'm going to do. I love that. Mm -hmm. You know, I just had that thought recently because my husband and I have been vegging out in the evenings watching Shit's Creek and I just got onto that show. We did too. We just got onto it's because the dad was an American pie and I just loved that crazy movie. And I loved how he acted in there and he acts the same way in this series. Yes. Uh, and then his son, David, Oh my gosh, that is so funny. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Did you know that the, the father son actors in that movie are real father and son and they're the producers yeah. of that show. Yes. And, and, and Trila, I think it's Trila. Yeah. That's the sister. She's a sister. No way. She's the sister. Yes. Isn't that oh, crazy? That yeah. Is so crazy. Well, I'm loving that I think show. So. That's too. what I heard. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, anyway, so, but you're I out. decided today when I was like sitting down with my gratitude journal and I was kind of going over my intentions for the week that my husband and I, cause you know, we're empty nesters mm-hmm. that we need to get back to having our nightly tea time where we connect with each other. And we actually have conversation rather than mm-hmm. just laughing f- through our Netflix. Like, so yeah. I, think that you're that's a great way to find more joy and meaning in your life and it's funny because I'm kind of on the same wavelength now I will tell you that Scott Strobel he's going to kind of roll his eyes when I bring this back up because he's a little bit more of the introvert like um avoider like let's not Mm -hmm. talk about anything too deep and then his wife's always wanting to talk about deep things (laughs) today when he gets home and I'm gonna be like hey we're gonna have our nightly tea time again and have conversation yeah he's like oh great that's Steve gosh exactly (laughs) oh my gosh it's been such an honor I so appreciate your vulnerability you sharing your stories your confidence it just oozes from you but I love that you just want people to honor what makes them unique yeah, that's what it is. It's just something everybody has these things that are about you. Embrace that. And why not you? Why, why not you? Why I not you? That. That's it. For those of you who are listening, try maybe you need to make a little sticky note, put it on your computer, put it on your yep. bathroom mirror, right? Mm-hmm. Why not me? I love mm-hmm. that, Steve. Thank you that's so a good much. Idea. Yep. You're welcome so much. I love this. We, we, I have a new, I said before, when you're on my podcast, I have a new friend. We're yeah. friends. We're, we're in it the way now. That's we're the connectors. Best. We're connectors. There you go. Awesome. Whoop, whoop. We did it. Thank you so much for listening in on the She Finds Joy podcast today. I'm honored to share this space with you and I hope you keep showing up as the real you in this world. As always, this conversation will be continued 
in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to kimstrobel.com forward slash she finds joy to connect with other joy seekers just like you.